This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, welcome to another edition of That Millwall Podcast. Um, today we have a Who Are You? Uh, it's a little bit of a unique and special Who Are You for me today. Firstly, we have a few technical problems, so you won't see either myself or my guest. And it's a special um, interview for me because... I'm actually interviewing my dad. Um, it's uh, Dean Jones, my dad. Dad, how are you? I'm all right, Stephen. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. And it's quite strange because when I've done a few of these, um, obviously, I don't know the answers that are coming uh, most of the time with most of the interviews that I do. But I get the feeling that I'm going to know pretty much every answer that you that you give uh, in this interview but obviously this is for the benefit of our our viewers and our listeners at home um dad can i just start with and uh, we'll go straight into it yep. how did you become a mill supporter well it's like most people Stephen. um it's because my dad did really um when i was i started really very young um uh when i was four years old um dad used to uh, go to Millwall with a group of friends and uh he used to stand, well, we used to stand at the Alderton Road end of the ground, right in the corner. Um, and it really started from there. He, he, Dad did have trials when he was a younger man at Millwall, but unfortunately uh, it, it came to nothing. But Millwall was a very important part of my dad's life because he, he would work hard during the week and then spend, spend his money on watching Millwall with his chums. And then he, it, latterly with me, he took me and uh, it would become a regular thing. Um, so that's really how I started through my dad, really. And you uh, touched on there that your uh, where your dad used to stand and where he used to bring you um, memories of of the old ground and where was where was your favourite spot? Well, the den was a very unique place. Uh, you, you know, I've I've listened to to, to the, the other UIs and people will always say it was a very unique place. It, it was a very intimidating. Uh, no one liked coming to the den and. No matter where you stood, you got that feeling that, that we were invincible. And, and I think that, that that's helped Millwall over the years. So wherever wherever we, we stood, we would stand. I started off at the Alderton Road end of the ground. And then latterly, when, when my dad um, uh, didn't go so much, I sort of made my own way. And I, I found myself on the halfway line. And the halfway line, um, particularly with the glory days and the big crowds was a, a really, really good place to, to stand. Uh, you, you'd get, you'd get a good view and, and, and the atmosphere was, was quite electric on the big days. And do you remember, and uh, for the, for the benefit of the viewers at home, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this. It was a long time ago, your first, your first game as a Millwall fan. Do you remember it? Do you have any memories? What was your first impressions? I have no memories of the game, but my very first game uh, was in the 1964-65 season. It was, a, it was an early season game against uh, Brighton um, at the Den, and I was, I was barely four years old. And I remember uh, at the time that um, I would, I, I was in, in the early days, I would stand on an old orange box that in those days you were allowed to bring in so, so the, kids could, the kids could look over the tops of their the heads uh, of of the other spectators. Um, that was my first game uh, in 1965. And as an offshoot to that, um, it just so happened that that year, um, Millwall finished runner-up to Brighton, uh, I think in the old fourth division. 
and they were promoted into Division Three. So my first game, my first season, saw Millwall um, very successful. And you said there that you obviously um, don't really remember the first game. What's the first game that you remember, uh, maybe parts of a game or the atmosphere? What's the earliest memory you've got of, of a game? The earliest memory of a game I have at Millwall was a League Cup tie. Um, and that was in 1969. And we were drawn against Stoke City. We'd drawn at their place, I think, nil-nil. And in those days, the replay was barely a couple of days later. So I think that might have been on the Saturday. or I'm not quite sure, but the, the, the home game was on a Monday evening. And it was quite exciting because not only were they in the first division, but they had Gordon Banks playing for them, uh, uh, England goalkeeper. And so everybody turned up at the game on the Monday night, you know, wanted to see me all win a cup tie against the team in a, in a higher league, but also to see Gordon Banks. And the thing was, when the teams were, when the teams were announced uh, prior to the game, he was injured and his deputy, John Farmer, was in goal. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But as for the game itself, Mill ended up winning 2-1. Um, I think with a goal from Derek Posse, it was a header from a corner. And um, it, it was quite a successful evening, but a bit disappointing that um, uh, England's goalkeeper wasn't in goal for the opposition. OK, and I mean, obviously, you know, um, we're, we're coming before we come on to some memories, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the current ground. I, I don't like to refer to it as the new den. As you know, it's now the den. We've been there. Yep. This is now 30 years. Obviously, um, you're the you're the reason why we're here because without you I wouldn't be supporting the club we wouldn't be doing this interview but um, my first experience obviously you took me to to the den as it is today um, what are your thoughts on the ground do you like it and where do you see it uh, the new den is the new den isn't the old den but then you have to move on and I think that Millwall still it still retains um, it still retains a little bit of the fear factor um, as the old den did. Um, it's modern. It, 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 it brings in revenue streams. Um, and I think people have accepted now that, that those days of the old den are gone as much as you would like them, you know, like them to be to remain. And this is the way that Millwall are going. Um, I, I mean, where we sit, obviously, it's unobstructed views. and They're all unobstructed views. At the old den, there were places where you just really couldn't see anything, particularly if you was an away supporter. And, I, and, I, and, I, and you know, and I think that 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 sort of added to the... Um, if you like the charisma of the ground and the uh, trepidation of um, mm. of the away supports, but the new den is 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 a nice ground um, and it, it it it's it's home now and you have to forget about the past and and I think it's it's it can be intimidating on 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 certain games. And where do you sit? Uh, behind the goal, uh, the cold blow lane end with you. Um, <laughs> and as the viewers probably know, I think you've explained on your who are you. Um, We've got a little ritual that we sit uh, right behind the goal, right behind the penalty spot, and in line with the um, halfway line. But I always, I always forget, as you know, when when we go when we go to the games, I always say, Stephen, where where am I sitting? Because I never know, quite frankly, where I'm supposed to be sitting. But um, that that's where I sit with you up there. It, for the for the benefit of the the viewers and the listeners, the ritual is that he, my dad, has to sit on the left hand side. I have that's to sit right. on the right hand side. That's so right. what that's how we're based it at the den and if we go away from home we tend to um we do tend to stick to the same thing although i do recall the last away game at west brom we didn't actually do that we were the other way around but more often than not we do and at home we always sit um to the left and the right we've sat um, up there for we've sat up there for quite a long time now haven't we so we, yeah we, we've we, got our own but we get a band of people that we talk to and it's quite a nice place to sit we yeah we obviously you know we started below um, in the lower, in the in the we did. Uh, south stand, and then moved up, moved up to the top. Um, I mentioned obviously on my who are you that we sat in the seats that we're in now, and we won the first time we did it. We won the game, and ever since then we had to. Well, I mean, it's not been very successful, but we've had to stay in the same seats. So, well, it has been successful, but if if it if the superstition had been as good as as I make mm. it out to be, we probably would have won the Champions League. Well, we now. probably yeah, we're a long <laughs> we're a long way off that one yet, but I'll see where you're going with that one. Yeah, um, I'm gonna test your memory now, or maybe bring back some some good memories. Um, firstly. 
can I ask your favourite all-time player? And before you ask, I, I know obviously you've been supporting the club for, for a long time, so there's been many players that have come and gone. So I'll, I'll ask you for your favourite player, but I'll also ask you for perhaps two honourable mentions um, as well. It's very tough, that one. is When you've been supporting Millwall for the, for the number of years that I have and a lot of other people have, uh, you see players come and go. And in different eras, um, they're the best players. Um, I think it's very close. Um, uh, in the early, in the early uh, 70s, uh, Millwall had a player called Keith Weller. Um, he came from um, Tottenham's reserves along with uh, Derek Posse. And he was by far... Um, the best midfielder I've ever seen, ever seen Millwall have, um, and in fact he went on to be sold to to Chelsea um, uh, for a hundred thousand pounds. It was Millwall's first a hundred thousand uh, pound transfer, and he went on to play for England as well and in the European final with Chelsea. But he would be an honourable mention. Um, I think the player that stands out the most over those um, 50, 50 odd years is, and it might not be to everyone's liking, but I think it's Teddy Sheringham. Um, Teddy Sheringham was a player um, uh, way before his time. Um, he, he He's indebted to George Graham, the Millwall manager. Uh, Teddy was a very young player and he, he thought he'd made it before he'd actually made it. And, and George sort of disciplined him um, and made him into the player that he was and ultimately the player that he, he became. So I, I think um, Teddy Sheringham would be my, my all-time best Millwall footballer. And a question that I asked uh, one of our other listeners uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when that one goes out, it's interesting to see what the answer, if the answers compare. In your era, it was Teddy Sheringham. In my era, it was Neil Harris. Do you think that Teddy and Bomber would have been able to play as a pair? I think they would. Um, I think they would. I think both of them players um, could play with other players, and particularly other players who were who were of a of a uh, a talent. I think they. I think they would have been a, a magnificent partnership, um, and I think. I think they would have scored loads of goals together. Yeah, I do. And moving on to uh, another question, which again, I think it's it's uh, for, throughout the time. There's been quite a few, but I think there's a, definitely a couple that will be at the top of this list. Your your favourite all time Millwall manager. Again, um, there's been managers that have that have achieved an awful lot for Millwall, but. Um, for what it meant and uh, for what it was, it has to be John Doherty. Um, John Doherty was reserve team manager at Brentford and Frank McClintock was uh, the manager at Brentford. And Millwall hired both those um, fellas to come to the den and they reversed their roles. And Doherty became, became manager and Frank McClintock became um, assistant manager. Um, and between them, um, they managed to get Millwall to a place where they've been trying to get to for many, many, many years. And, and for what it meant to a lot of people, um, I think that, that John Doherty basically is the only Millwall manager ever to get Millwall in the top flight. And I think, I think that deserves an awful lot of credit. And I think John Doherty would be the man that I would say uh, is the best Millwall manager of all time. And obviously for people that are listening that were around in that era and, and saw Millwall play in the top division, unfortunately I, I, I wasn't around at that time. Do you think that Gary Rowett, should he achieve the, the, the possibly the, the, the impossible and, and get the club into the, into the Premier League this season or perhaps next season, do you think he'd be held in the same regard as, as John Doherty as perhaps some of the older supporters? I think he ought to be because as I said, as I said to you, the, the, the the, the, the golden chalice for any any Millwall supporter, anyone connected with Millwall, would be to play in the top league. And I think any manager, given given the restraints that, that are at Millwall and have always been at Millwall, it's I think it's always more of an achievement than just an achievement to get to the to, to the Premier League Division One, whatever it was at the time. But I think yes, Gary Rowett, if he managed to get Millwall into the into the Premier League, whenever he did it, I think Gary Rowett using using the basis of what I use. Yes, I, I believe he, he'd be a legend. In my eyes, he would be a legend because uh, not many Millwall managers in 130, 140 years have managed to achieve uh, that particular goal. That's interesting because I think there's at the moment, you know, we have very similar opinions on the club and, and how things are going at the moment. Not always, but, but with a majority of the decisions. Yeah. And I think Gary Rowett is one that 
still divides opinions with with the fan base and i think it's interesting that um some people would like yourself have said yes definitely he, he would be regarded in the same breath but i th- i do think there'd be a lot of people that perhaps wouldn't well he's like marmite isn't he you either you either like him or you don't like him i mean um it, 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 to me, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter how you get to where you want to go, as long as you get there. And I don't think any Millwall fan, um, you know, that supports Millwall would 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 worry if if the Gary Routeway if the Gary Gary Routeway got us to where we wanted to get to. Because at the end of the day, if we won one nil every game and we got to the Premier League, I don't think there'd be many people uh, complaining about the way we did it. Do you? No, I don't. I, I mean, I, I've. I, as you know, I've never been Rower out, so no. I think um, I think he I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for what he's doing at the moment. As you say, there's a lot of things that go on at Millwall that that restrict the job that managers maybe have. So I think you know I wasn't around for the, the Doherty era, but I, personally, for me, I think Gary Rowe would be could, would shoot straight to the top of the list um, uh, of managers should he achieve. Yeah, the... I agree. I mean, I mean, you know, John Doherty didn't have a lot of money. He spent. In terms of mill, we spent. I think he spent a quarter of a million. I mean, that was in that was in nineteen eighty nine. And, and but we spent a little bit more more than we would normally spend. And I think Gary Rowett spent a little bit more than we would normally spend in the last couple of years trying mm. to achieve that. Yeah. And I think I think both of them are on a. You know, if you look at it, both of them are on a similar a similar pattern really. So yeah, Gary Rowett would be up would be well up there in my list of managers. So taking it away from perhaps best. Uh, moment or best players and best managers, and and going against going against the grain a little bit, it's it's quite difficult this one because you always want to back any Millwall or any player that wears a Millwall shirt that runs out onto the pitch. You want to back them and you want to you give them your support. But over the years, I would imagine there's been some absolute shockers that you've seen wear wearing a Millwall shirt. So who would you say is probably the worst player you've ever seen in a Millwall shirt? Well, I'm going to go with a lot of other people on this one, um, and I'm going to bring it up to date a little bit. And I think, I think Gary Taylor Fletcher summed up everything that was not right about Ian Holloway and, and Ian Holloway's tenure at Millwall. It was quite clear that this man was way over the top, way too too much weight. He had too much weight, and he was just one of one of um, Ian Holloway's chums. And I think for what he did for us, and he didn't do anything. Um, I think. Gary Taylor Fletcher's just about at the top of my my list for the worst all-time player I've ever seen over 50 odd years in a Millwall shirt to be honest. What what's interesting I don't think you you were at the game but where I went to Brentford and uh, Harris had taken over by that point and we drew 2-2 mm. and Gary Taylor Fletcher at, at Brentford's old ground as as you'll know the the um you were right on top of the goal if you were at he the was. top you were right mm. on top of the goal. And Millwall broke and the, the ball fell to Taylor Fletcher in the box and he had pretty much had the whole goal to aim at. And it, I think, as you said there, and I'm sure all the listeners at home would agree, everything that summed him up was an open goal from four yards and he managed to blast it past the post. Well, I, I agree, that... Yeah, I agree. I mean, the question you've got to ask yourself is what did he actually do for Millwall? Hmm. What, what, did he win us a game? Did he score? Did he? I mean, I, I can't remember. I, I, I just don't know what he did. I mean, as a striker, he... he he just fouled, you know, he was he was past it. It, it. Yeah, the worst player I've ever seen. And against the the Lions, I mean, we've we've seen some we've seen a lot of teams come and go and, and sometimes it's quite hard to pick out individual players, but would you say there's anyone that you've seen line up against us and just thought, God, he's terrible? Do you know, Stephen, I find it hard to answer that question. I've seen so many games and I really I really can't think of one, to be honest. Um, I mean, there's been times when you you look at players and you think, um, "Crikey!" Like you know, when Millwall perhaps have won four or five, four or five, when a defender's been terrible or or what. But I can't really, off the top of my head, uh, there's been many, um, and, and I can't really think of, of of anyone off the top of my head, to be honest. If I if I give you a hint of a player, yeah, um, I'll, I'll try and give you. And this is obviously your answers, but was you with me on this one? Was you? I, 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 we've seen him a couple of times. Uh, right. Perhaps a centre half that. That may have received a vote or two for Player of the Season. Oh, uh, did he play for West Ham and Charlton? Yeah, he did. He did. I can't think of his name now, but you're going to tell me, aren't you? Christian Daly. Yeah, Christian Daly. Yeah, it, it was. It was something. Christian Daly was a player that just really couldn't play against Millwall, could he? Um, let's face it. I think it was again. I think it was a. It's the atmosphere, the fact that he was no good, the fact that he was playing Millwall, and um, yeah, you're quite right. He, um, yeah, 
Yeah, I suppose, yeah, if I'm going to nick one off you, um, Christian Daly would be in my top three, I would think. Yeah, yeah. That's a good I one, think, Stephen. I think it's quite difficult. Uh, and obviously, without putting, you know, this is your interview, it's, it's, it's about your story and your thoughts. But it's interesting because apart from the real big match players, I mean, uh, you know, over the years that have come to the den, you, you don't, you, you tend to look out for the better players. You don't really look out for the the worst players you know that, right. so for example you know a couple of weeks ago at West Brom you were looking at Jed Wallace mm. um at QPR you look for Elias Chair at the yes. moment you, it, yeah. years gone by you've had like Wes Houlihan Adele Tarrapt you oh. you know those players but you, you never really tend to to, to to spot the 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 worst players you you, you just you, you just hope the whole team that, that that we're playing against has a bad game to be honest with you so you, you come yeah. away with three points yeah um okay I mean, there's a. This is probably going to be quite tough. So again, I'm going to give you the the opportunity for some honourable mentions. I'll, I'll give you two honourable mentions, and obviously then right. now you're you're, but oh. your most memorable match involving Millwall. Most memorable match, it without a doubt um, would be the FA Cup tie at Highbury in 1995 um, when Millwall beat Arsenal 2-0. And uh, I think it's Mark Beard and Mark Kennedy scored. Um, not only did Millwall take over the ground that night, um, we beat an Arsenal team that was full of internationals at Highbury on their own pitch. And quite frankly, the game was never in any doubt. And, and just to see the sight of Mark Beard outpacing um, uh, Tony Adams and running towards us. And I was right behind the goal that night. Um, I, I literally, I literally was, saw the ball hit it and I, literally the ball was coming towards me in the top and it went into the top top of the net and it was it was a magic moment and um it it, it has to be my most favorite game uh, out of all and i've been to i've been to i've been to a few um to beat arsenal on their own pitch uh, with no doubt um that was that was that was really good Okay, and uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I I had a feeling you were going to say that. I, I thought you might have said that a game from the promotion um, winning season in uh, you know eighty seven eighty eight. But I think for me, obviously listening to you and the stories that you have, the Ars that Arsenal game um, tends to crop up. And I think Mark Kennedy is is somebody that you tend to whenever we talk about the sort of the best goal you've ever seen a Millwall player score. I think yeah, it would Mark have Kennedy's to be up there, up there, Stephen. It would have to be up there. Um, it was, it was, a, he, he collected the ball on the halfway line and uh, he, he, he ran them down and they couldn't catch him. And David Seaman was in goal. I think it was David Seaman was in goal. And um, uh, he just, a bullet, he just hit it and it just went, it, 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 it was, it was behind him before he even dived. And it was just, it was that, just that sense of being, uh, we had about six or 7,000 there, at least behind the goal. There was other pockets of Millwall fans. It was just, it was just a magic moment, you know, Highbury, Arsenal, and it was just, just it was just like the George Graham era as well. Um, and it was, Mill did really well that night and they, they really done the club proud and, and, and it was just a great result. I mean, you speak obviously very highly of, of that as a match. I'm going to push you now for a moment, favourite ever Millwall moment. Now that can be off the field, on the field, it can be during a game, it can be anything really. But what would you say is your best ever Millwall moment? The Millwall moment, uh, it would be off the field, um, but it would be the last game of the promotion winning season. Um, uh, we got promoted at Hull City the week before and um, we were home to Blackburn Rovers and we were collecting the trophy. And I was with my dad, who unfortunately passed away late last year. Um, and we were together. And there were many uh, uh, older older people uh, at the ground that day that had, one, never seen Millwall play in the first division. And two, had never really seen them win a trophy. So it was a, it was a, bit, of a, a bit of a double whammy there. And there were, there were grown men crying um, when Les Briley... Uh, went and um, picked up the trophy, and it, it, it would have to be to see something that Mill had been going since eighteen eighty five, and this was in nineteen eighty um, eighty seven, um, and and it's a long time to go without winning a trophy or getting into the top flight, and to be part of that history, I think it would have to, particularly with my dad, it would have to be 
it would have to be my best moment it, 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 by, 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 by a long chalk. Um, that would be it. And interestingly, obviously, with um, comparisons to this season, we we finish up at home to Brish, uh, to Blackburn Rovers. We do this this year round. Obviously, slightly different prize potentially on offer um, on offer this time. Obviously, then we'd we'd won, you know, we got promoted and had a trophy. This time, it would be to make it into the playoffs. So yes. slightly different. Yeah. Do you see similarities with the, the the that season to this season? Is it the same? Is there a same feel? Is it completely different? Um, I've touched on earlier on in one of my answers about the, the managerial thing. And I think um, uh, with John Doherty and Gary Rowett, um, I think it's that from that angle, it's very similar. They brought in some new players. They were brought in some new players. And um, we seem to have been up there all all season, like we all were back in the day. And um, there are similarities. And uh, I, I think we all got a great chance of getting in the playoffs. I think it's dependent on um, home form. I think we've got to win our win our home games, but there is there is a similarity between and obviously with Blackburn being the last game, that's a very similar thing. So if the omens are there, then that game, that Blackburn game, might actually mean it didn't actually mean anything in terms of result in in the in back in the day because Mill would already be promoted this time round. It with Blackburn being one of our one of our rivals, it may mean that. Winner takes it all, maybe, and that 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 makes it a very very big game. So yeah, there are similarities, I would say, between back in the day and, and present day. And what would you say is your would you say is your funniest moment supporting Millwall? Anything again on the field, off the field, travelling to games, or anything uh, like that? I think uh, I think you mentioned I think you mentioned this one in your um, Who Are You um, about the away trip to Walsall and the fact that. I'm not really typical of your of your of the of your of the so-called how people perceive Millwall fans to be, um, and um, you know I'm not one for, for 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 running around mad and things like that. But I do get you know when Millwall score, it's it's it, it, I do get excited. But that day at, at Walsall when when we scored that, which was quite a very very good goal, Romeo scored scored that goal, and I ended up on the floor. I quite quite frankly, Stephen, as you know, I didn't know where I was to be honest with you. One minute I'm standing next to you. And the next thing, I've got this big bloke behind me and he's he's jumping all over me back. And it was like one of those moments where you get up and dust yourself down and think, I hope nobody saw that sort of thing because it just looked silly, didn't it? You looked around and I don't think you you had to look on the floor and see me on the floor. So that that was a funny moment. I mean, there's probably been other moments, but but that one springs to mind. It, it just like being with you and um, like, you know, and then the next thing on the floor and the lights going out, it... it, it that, that was a that was a funny moment. It, um, again, I, I was there. It was the uh, under Harris Romeo Marlon Romeo's debut, and um, I think we were one nil up already. I think Gregory yeah. had scored already, yeah. and the um, the one two between Romeo Jed Romeo ran onto it, hit it, and scored. And and as as my dad said, there that it it was funny because he's not one to. You celebrate when when we all score, we celebrate. You do. It's a, it's a natural yeah, it's instinct. Do, Everybody it? does yeah, it. But but as as he said, as as my dad said, there the fact of the matter was he was sent flying and he was on the floor over the chairs, and it, it was a funny moment because I grew up watching him be watching you be perhaps a bit more mild mannered and reserved at the best. Well, of times, I always but... try to teach you the right way to follow me all. <laughs> Uh, but it's not always, it doesn't always work, does it? You know. No, no, no. You know, it's uh, it was, and the thing was on that day, if you remember, there weren't that really many of us around. I mean, when you get a big Millwall following, um, you expect a big push and a big surge. But quite frankly, that like, it wasn't the end wasn't full. It wasn't a big end, and it was just because I had this big fella behind me, and, and he just jumped on me, and um, it just you know, you're like get off light sort of thing, like you know. But that, yeah, that, that that was quite funny, wasn't it? It was. That was obviously personal to us, but that it was a it was a funny moment. You one minute you were there, and the next minute you, you, you just you just yeah. you just wasn't. Um, and then finally, um, before we come on to a couple of uh, different questions rather than memories, I mean, over the years, I I know for a fact that you've you've travelled up and down the country yeah, initially on your own mm. um, years ago, and then now with me later on in life. What would you say? I'm going to ask you for a different answer than that night at Arsenal because you've obviously elaborated yeah. on that earlier. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal aside, what would you say is your best away day following the club? Best away day following the club? 
Um, can that be can that be a Wembley appearance? Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Um, be, be, yeah, does that count as a wide Well, I mean... It, it has become our second home in, in recent times. However, right. I will accept any answer away from the den. Well, I, I'll take that. I, I'll take that one out. Then I won't mention because I was going to mention the also windscreen shields final at Wembley. Because uh, again, um, I've been very fortunate uh, to see Millwall play in the, the first division. I've also and, uh, and 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 I was fortunate enough to see Millwall play the first ever, although it was a wartime appearance at Wembley. But but for all intents and purposes, the, the first serious. Uh, game at Wembley, so I was with you that day uh, in mm-hmm. in nineteen yeah. in nineteen ninety nine. So that was, but I think I'm going to go with something. Um, out of all those games, I'm going to go with something that you, you would remember, and I think you mentioned it as well uh, in yours. Um, would be that game with um, away to Bristol Rovers um, when Sean Hutchinson scored in the last minute of the game, because the feeling that the feelings that we had when we went. We went, I think, was it 2-0 up or something like that? Uh, or yep. was it 2-0? And, mm-hmm. and we thought we were in the top six for sure. And then results started. I think Southend started to win or something. And then and then Bristol Rovers um, Bristol Rovers um, uh, got, came back into the game and, and, and it ended up, ended up 3-3 with a, with a few minutes to go. And, and, and it was, you went from high to low and you, you thought, oh, we're not going to make it. You know? And then all of a sudden, with virtually the last kick of the game from a... From a corner, Sean Hutchinson headed the ball ball into the net, and and and, and really, it was that goal that um, that that's that's put Millwall where where they are today, really, because as as you remarked in in in, in your um, who are you? Uh, uh, a lot of the teams that that we left behind um, uh, uh, that we that we got to the you know we got to the playoffs and ultimately won them, but but it, it's led to where we are today. So I think that. That game would that that game would be the answer to the question. I think, yeah, away to Bristol Rovers. And uh, I did a little bit of a curveball question. Obviously, you've been supporting the club for for a long time, and and you know, picking a, a, a recent game for for a favourite away game. I think because of the emotion that necessarily the emotion was was um, you know. That day, it was nerves, then it was high, then it was low, then it was well, nerves. Well, we were there, it, it Stephen, changed. Yeah, we? It we, changed. We, we were there, and then we wasn't. And, and and when you look at some of the other teams, where they've gone, I mean, just fouled, it, it could have been Millwall, couldn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 instead of that, we are on the cusp of the playoffs. So I think that game, in hindsight, me, me, meant a lot. And it was it was, it was was great just to score right at the end and knowing that, that, that Bristol Rovers really couldn't respond and deny us uh, where we needed to be, so you know, yeah, that's the one. And and what would you say is is the best ground that you visited? And and also I, 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 to touch on that as well, I would say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you in the seventies in terms of how many grounds you've been to? Is it seventy grounds? Oh, I think it's I think it's about seventy six, seventy seven now. Yeah, uh, but of course, a lot of those grounds are now gone, and so the list keeps getting the list keeps keeps getting longer because. Teams go to different new grounds and things like that, you know. But of the original '92 up until um, up until the new grounds started to be built, because uh, I think Mill was one of the the, the den, the, the the new den as they call it, or the den. Uh, that was the first ground to be built after the Taylor Report. So up mm-hmm. until that point, um, I'd been to you know I'd been to '76, '77 away grounds. And what would you say is your best one to visit? Which one would in you stick in the memory? In terms of atmosphere or in terms of the way it looks? Uh, or... just, 
in terms, you turn up at the game and you, you know you you enjoyed the stadium. Obviously, it's not home, but you turn up and you think, oh, you know that was that was it was a nice place to visit. It, it and it, I think I know your answer. Perhaps if I say atmosphere, but yeah, what yeah. what ground what ground sticks in your mind the most in terms of atmosphere or just the way it looks? Both, both, I mean, for do at, both. For, for atmosphere, it's definitely the away game against Sheffield United when I was mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, it just felt as I mean, everybody knows Mill will make themselves heard wherever they go, and we did on this day. But it, it just seemed to me there was thirty thousand people at Sheffield United that day, and we were both near near to the top. weren't at the top, but we were both near to the top of the league, challenging for top six. And it just seemed to me uh, we had about sixteen hundred, sixteen hundred, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Um, it just seemed to me that we were surrounded, and it, and and the noise levels inside Bramall Lane that day, and I think. It was because the roofs, are, the roofs keep the noise in. That it's all roofed all the way around, um, and it's it's it, it just made when they scored or when they attacked or when they nearly scored. It was very very similar to the den at its at its at, at its best. Um, and so for atmosphere, I think I think Bramall Lane for for historical reasons and for the way it looks, I think Villa Park is 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 by far. Um, it's like a theatre, Villa Park. I think I can feel history at Villa Park. Well, I've, I've been to Villa Park on on half a dozen occasions with Millwall um, over the years, and Villa Park has never lost that sense of of history and um, theatre to me. So, Bramall Lane for atmosphere and 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 Villa Park for for aesthetics, really, the way it looks and the, and what it means. Because because Villa Park used to hold semi final, FA Cup semi finals, and things. And you can think about what's gone on there. And it's got a very, a very fine history, and and I think those two would be the answer to the question. I think. And now bringing it sort of forward a little bit to to the current day, a couple of questions about the current squad. Um, in your opinion, who do you think is our best player, and who is your favourite player? Well, you and I saw this player make his debut um, at Wigan um, a few years ago when it was, um, I think it was. Um, Steve Morrison and uh, Gregory's last games for Millwall, and this this young fella made his debut. And I always and I, and I always arc back to it. And I think on that day he looked as though he wanted to go forward all the time, and he looked as though he wanted to um, get involved. And it's Billy Mitchell, and I think and I think Billy Mitchell's going to turn out to be one of our one of our better players, whether that's with Millwall or more than likely if he carries on being the way. Playing the way that he is and developing the way he is, uh, it might be with someone else. But I think Billy Mitchell on his day um, gives you a lot of energy. Uh, it gives you a lot of skill, and it, 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 I think Billy Mitchell of the current crop would be my favourite player at the moment. And who's the best player in the squad? The best player in the squad, uh, technically, um, and I think this is going to be no surprise. Um, can, I, can, I, can I answer that in two ways? Um, uh, technically, I would say Zian Fleming is is has got has got more technical ability um, uh, than than the most. But I think um, I think Sean Hutchinson um, is when he plays. I know he's not been playing a lot lately because Cresswell's been in there. But I think Sean Hutchinson is a born leader, and I think he gets what Millwall's all about. And I think. I think he would be he would be high on the list as well. He's a leader on the pitch. He puts his body on the line. Um, he saved many a many a goal for Millwall, and 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 I think he would be he would be close to the top as well. And keeping it with the current squad, I usually I usually end with this, but I'm going to do it now. And for the benefit of those that don't know, my dad. I mean, some of our listeners may do. You may have seen him at games over the years. Um, He's very. You're very pessimistic where Millwall are concerned. You, you don't. You don't get ahead of yourself. You, you try not to get caught up in it. I mean, I don't know. Where well, I when you've been from. supporting Millwall as long as I have, there's been loads of highs, but many, many lows, Stephen. And you just can't. You just can't help it. But of course, I always want. I always want Millwall to win. I always want Millwall. Millwall's in my blood. But but I I, I agree. I'm a little bit pessimistic. Yes. And and you often give me a look when I sort of say, yeah, we're going to make the top six. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you sort of look at me as if... I'm... Well, you're different from me. You're, you're an optimist. Uh, you see you, you see 
Millwall's going to win every game as far as you're concerned. But me, I, I, um, I, uh, I take a different view on it because I've seen it all before. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. Go we've on got, then. as of recording, obviously, um, at, the, at this point, we've just um, come off the back of a, a nil-nil home draw against Luton. Uh, we're right. uh, going into the whole city away fixture. Uh, six games to go for us. I know a couple of teams around us have seven. Are we making the top six? Yes or no? I'd say yes, but that's dependent on winning at least at least three of these last six games and perhaps perhaps a draw or two. Um, I think we can afford to lose one, um, but I think that's all we can afford to lose. So I say yes, uh, and that's dependent on winning three and perhaps drawing two. And I think you know I think that might just scrape us in, particularly as a lot of the other teams, as you know, um, still have to play one another, yeah. and and we still have to play Blackburn at the end of the end of the season at home. So um, the answer to the question is yes, I do. I think it'd be tight, um, but dependent on on winning at least three games. And obviously, I think it's quite clear to to most Mill supporters. Possibly, I'm going to assume yourself as well that Luton and Middlesbrough appear to be two clubs that are set for the playoffs, I think, now. I'd agree um, with that, yes. With Sheffield United now seemingly have a bit too much of a stronghold yep. on second place. So that leaves two spots up for, for grabs. Obviously, you've said that you think Mill will make it. Who do you think will be our the final contender for the for the last playoff uh, for the last yeah for the last playoff spot well i think i think at the moment um I, 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 if you look at blackburn's uh, remaining fixtures i think they've got to play at least three or maybe three maybe four i don't know i don't three of the of the top contenders i i have a, a suspicion uh, that they rely a lot on uh, Bereton diaz and and a few other players in their team and they're not really firing at the moment and I believe that they're going to drop out. And I think that Norwich may well um, may well sneak in. So my four uh, playoff finalists um, would be Middlesbrough, uh, Luton, Norwich and Millwall. If Norwich do make the playoffs, my life will be hell. As you know, my best yes. friend supports, yes. supports Norwich. And yes. Uh, I'd have to leave the country if they beat us. So I get that. But uh, <laughs> I'll, take you, I'll, I'll take you back to what the the EFL supercomputer predicted um, about four months ago, and it's quite eerie, really. It predicted that Millwall would play Norwich in the um, in in the playoffs, um, and that's not a, that's not a million miles away, to be honest with you. No, I know, but. We don't want Norwich. No, we don't. don't. No, I, know, I know the problems that brings <laughs> it brings to you in particular. I know that. Yeah, I know. Uh, move, moving on, obviously, from, from the current squad, just, again, a couple of things about your own opinions on things. I think a lot of the answers to these couple of questions are very, very similar. Right. Um, most disliked opponent. Now, that's not necessarily a direct rival, but it's a team that you've either... We seem to, they seem to have sort of um, have the hoodoo over us. Someone you've never enjoyed playing. Who would you say is your most disliked opponent? You see them. There's the next fix, and you think, oh, not them. Look, I'm not going to surprise anyone by saying, and, and, and as I've said it before, I've supported Mill for nearly 50, 57 years, and and they've always been there. And uh, it, it goes back to the to the day of the Dockers and things like this. Um, but it has to be number one. Has to be West Ham. And with me, it will always be West Ham. Um, I just can't liken to them at all. Um, I think they think that they're um, better than what they are, but when in effect they're just an, an up-down team. They're, they're a yo-yo team. Um, secondly, um, I come more to the more to the present day. Um, I would say my, 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 the second team on my list uh, would be Leeds. Um, Leeds. Leeds are just a team that again um, I can't warm to. I think they think they're better than what they are. Um, and um, quite frankly, I think I think this year they could come down this this year. Um, and third on my list is Crystal Palace because, as you know, you've been you've been to Palace with me on a number of occasions, and we've been we've been lining you know we've been lining up at railway stations to come over with the with the away support with the home supporters. Um, and and we hear comments, and I, and I think you remember that they always talk as though we're sort of 
second class citizens at Millwall and yeah, uh, like, yeah, we shouldn't be losing to, to, to these people and th- well I mean you, you and I heard that at the railway station on one occasion so I just think they think they're a little bit you know a little bit above us and um, a little bit special they might be special but uh, I think special in a different way so it would be West Ham Leeds and Crystal Palace in that order for me and we, we've touched on um, some moments some matches um, we've touched on uh, players I'm going to ask a few more questions now around, um, again, opinion-based, of course. But in terms of a, a story about following following Millwall, we've we've pre-spoke about this. Um, yes. And I know that you were very keen to mention this story because it's very unique. It's very... Um, not many people will ever do what you did uh, no. at this moment in time. So um, I know there's a story that you're dying to tell us. And I'm assuming this might possibly be the best story that you have about following the club. And again, I believe to start with, um, this is going to be an off the pitch uh, story. It is going to be an off the pitch story. And, you, and you're quite right. I, I um, uh, I'll never forget this day. Um, it was, um, I, I used to have grandparents that live uh, on, on the Elderton Road and I always used to park park my car uh, outside outside their house and then um, visit them and then walk, walk to the game. And we were playing um, Manchester United uh, in the old first division. The game in itself was really a bore. It was nil-nil. Um, probably many people can, can, can remember it. it. Really, nothing really happened. But, but the story I'm going to tell actually really did happen. And it, it just, it just made, it just made, made my day. And um, it, it, it I was coming out of the game and I got into the car and drove. I was I was on Ilderton Road going towards the junction of the Old Kent Road and the traffic lights, uh, they went red. And, then, and I just looked into my, 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 rear, uh, my, my rear mirror and I, I looked and, and I, I took a double take and I, and, I, and I saw someone that I knew and it was, it was Bobby Charlton. And... Um, uh, he was driving the car. His his wife was in the in the front of his car, and his daughter, who was at the time, she was a a, a weather forecaster. People might remember her. And it was Bobby Charlton, and 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 I'd never met Bobby Charlton, and 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 I thought I've I've, I've got to get his autograph. So I, I I I put the car in neutral. Bearing in mind this is after the game. I think the crowd was about seventeen or eighteen thousand. It was packed trying to get out onto the old Kent Road. And I stopped the car uh, on a red light, got out of the car, I, I grabbed my programme, and I didn't have a pen. All I had was a marker pen. And I thought, I've got to get Bobby Charlton's autograph. And to be fair, he saw me getting out of the car. And as I walked towards his car, he had, he had a white BMW, and he wound down the windows. It was electric windows. And he saw me coming. And he, 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 I went up to the car and said, Mr Charlton, I said, sorry for this. I said, but could I have your autograph, please? And he, he said, no problem. And I got him to sign the back of the back of the, 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 the program and um, uh, with this marker pen. And, and the thing is, is you, you, you've got heroes in your life. And, and, and Bobby Charlton was, was one of my heroes. And sometimes when you meet them, um, they, 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 they don't come up to speed. They, they disappoint. But he actually wound down the window, saw the situation and, and signed my 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 program and I and he got bearing in mind all these cars are onking their onking their horns and everything else. The lights are changing from red to, to green, red to green. It must have been about five minutes I was there. And um he done it. And and for that, that really has got to be one of my best best uh mill moments. And you've actually as you know, you've actually got that program um uh, that I gave you because I gave you all my programs and and and, and that really was a, a memorable memorable moment for me. It's something that there won't be many people out there that have a Millwall programme signed by Bobby Charlton. No. So, and so, the circumstances to which I got it as well. Yeah, of know, course. In the middle of, of the old Kent Road, basically, you know. And as you say, sometimes with football nowadays, you know, that a lot of the players are either lions, they're heroes, that, you know, a lot of youngsters, even adults, you know, want autographs or shirts. And it's nice that someone who's so iconic in, in the footballing world lived up to the expectation yeah, of, yeah, of it, a hero. It was. A um, couple more questions. We, we're sort of coming towards coming towards the end of this interview now. Um, firstly, if you could change anything about Millwall, whether it would be past, present or future or a combination of the two, what would it be? 
If I can answer that in a different way, I think just recently, and I think um, uh, the pods of you know, your podcasters has, has spoken about this, I think Millwall are trying to change, um, and I don't really want them to change. Um, I think they're going in a direction that's aligning them to uh, the, the, the things we don't really want them to go, where, the, where we want them to go to. And I, I think Millwall got to be very careful because I think they are evolving. Um, what with the new training ground, I get that they got to have a training ground and I get that's a change because we've got to leave Calmont Road for the lease. But then you talk about the development and you talk about the revamping of the stadium. And I think too much change is bad for Millwall. I know we've got to introduce revenue streams and I know um, we've got to come up with different ideas, but I think... Um, Millwall have got, if I could answer this in a different way, I wouldn't change much, but I think Millwall are trying to change and I don't, I think they should be very wary how they, how they go about and not alienating, uh, alienating people. Because I think a topic of debate amongst Millwall supporters at the moment, as well as what they're doing on the pitch, is the fact that, um, I'll give you one example, um, uh, the crowds at the Den in the last four or five games uh, have been quite large for us, but they've not they've not been as enthusiastic and as no, noisy and as loud as that. Uh, and I think that that's something that Millwall got to be careful of in terms of change. I, uh, I wouldn't change anything other than you know to, to 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 try and get new revenue streams and things. I get that um, and to become more modern, but but still keep the identity. And I think if I was to answer that, I think we got to be wary of where Millwall are trying to get to at the moment. I think it's an interesting topic and it's something that we've spoke about quite a lot, you know, travelling to and from games, um, you know, each week. I think the the problem is that we find is, and, you know, I know that you're, you're quite keen on, on the numbers and things, that the attendances that are coming into the into the ground are good for the club. The money that's coming into that's the, good, yes. into from the that club angle it is. is good for the club. It, and, and to perhaps compete, a little bit more moving forward, you know, if those numbers are coming in on a regular basis, you might have a little bit more transfer budget. You might have a little bit more wiggle room yeah. for wages or uh, agent fees or whatever cost there is in, in bringing in new players to the club. But on the flip side to that, I think, you know, we've, we've been to the, we've been to the last few away games and, and, you know, Luton, when the Japans went to loot and they were very loud, you had QPR, they were very good. Yeah. Um, West Brom, they were very good. Reading, even at Reading with, you know, their soulless stadium. I thought yeah. us fans there were very, very good. And the, the smaller numbers, that hardcore fan base are, are making more of an atmosphere than what we're perhaps getting. You're, when we get you're right. 18, yeah. yeah, you're right. I think, you know what? I mean, I know it's been said in, in on social media and in the press, but I think, I think that, it's right. I think there's more noise made with 12,000 people in the stadium than there is with 18,000 people in the stadium. And, and that's purely because the, the other, as, as, as welcome as it is, the other 6,000 people may have a Millwall connection, um, but they're not regulars. And, and I think that might be why, uh, why I said, uh, what I said earlier on, that we've got to find our home form. It's dependent on our home form. I think that's why maybe we're not... We're not winning so many games at home in the in the last two or four or five games and and things. I think we need to get that noise back, and I think that only comes with your regulars and not mm -hmm. your your day trippers, as they like to say. You know. And uh, just a couple of couple of quirky questions um, before we we sort of uh, finish this one up. Uh, again, I know the answer to this question, and I'm sure you've got a little bit of a story about it as well. Mm. What's your favourite Millwall shirt of all time? There's only one shirt. There's only one shirt and one shirt only, and that would be from the early 1970s, and that's the all-white kit um, with the Millwall badge on. It was uh, the Red Lions, and I think it was a blue outline. Um, it's the, believe it or not, it was the only kit I ever owned. Um, uh, my dad bought it for me without going into too great detail. We, he didn't have a lot of, he didn't have a lot of money, but he bought that kit for me, and I wore that. And also at the time, I wore a pair of white boots as well. So it, when white boots were the first, I think Alan Ball uh, had the first uh, pair of white boots he used to play for England. Um, and I had my white kit and my white boots. And, and what did you do with them? Uh, well, you know what I did with them. Um, and I, I wore them and I loved them. And um, 
I left them on the train. Um, I went to play football and I left them on the train and I never saw them again. And um, that's the only kit I ever, ever had. I was, I was, I would have been, I would have been uh, nine, ten at the time. That's the only kit I've ever had. And it meant a lot and I lost it. Um, my dad wasn't very pleased. It's probably that's the reason why it was the only kit you got, was because yeah. he didn't want you to leave it on the train again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, but I did, and uh, yeah, it was a bad day. And and finally, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal your thunder with with the answer to this question, but um, for the benefit of of um, the the viewers and listeners at, yeah. at home, my dad and I are you know we we've, we've been supporting the club together for a long time. My dad a long time before me, and my my dear old mum. Um, has to put up with a lot of football talk and she a lot does. of a lot of um, it takes over our lives a little bit and and the last question here is the best piece of Millwall memorabilia that you own and the reason well, why I mentioned my mum is because and I'll let we, you finish off <laughs> well the season the season that Millwall uh, were promoted to the um, first division um, under John Doherty, it was the year that I married your mum, as you know. And uh, mum's brother Joe was best man, and, and he managed, he, without me knowing, uh, he managed to get a card signed by the entire um, squad, um, which he actually read out as best man uh, at your mum and, um, and I's wedding. Um, it was a nice surprise, and obviously the, the names on that will go down in Millwall history. Um, as the team that um, not only achieved promotion but um, played in the in the old first division, so yeah, that's the that's the story um, for that particular question. But the the benefit for the benefit and the reason why I mentioned my mum is because and from the stories that I was told, yeah. she wanted no mention oh, of Millwall right. Football Club yeah, on her yeah. wedding day. Right. <laughs> Funny enough, you know, now you said it, you know that. You, now you said that. Yeah. I mean, I I I I, I used to work with a chap uh, that liked football. He was a Tottenham supporter, but he he was a guest at the wedding, and I said to him, "Look, can you keep an eye on the on the score in the um." in the service because I think the service was at four o'clock the, ser the service was at four o'clock and obviously it was a three o'clock kickoff and um it was like um like Mill I, I, we were playing you know we were playing Blackburn on that day Steve and it's a funny one isn't it it's Blackburn again yeah, it's always Blackburn Blackburn <laughs> always seemed to appear and it was I looked round and we were winning one nil and then and then unfortunately um uh we we lost two one on that day but uh, I couldn't help it I just had to find out um how Millwall were doing that time. But yeah, my, my dear old mum, not only did she have the football scores being no. fed to no. her soon-to-be husband, yeah. the best man's speech was dominated by, but by, a, a, very, well. by a very special car. But it's a very it's a very unique, again, that's something that's quite unique that not many, there won't be many supporters out there that have a, a wedding card Well, that's my, best, that's my best bit of memorabilia. Yeah. Um, that, that, that just has to be. I've still got it to this day, mm. as you know. Um, and the names on there are, are historical Millwall names, aren't they? Well, absolutely. The only team to do it. Maybe maybe we'll have to get another card signed this year. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe you'll if, have to get one. If um, if uh, if they, they go on and do it. But that's that's been the end of, of Who Are You? Obviously, for, for myself, um, this has been quite a special thing for me to do. The reason why I'm here doing this podcast and the reason why I spend thousands of pounds and thousands of miles travelling up and down you the country for years yeah. and years is because mm. of my dad. That's I it. hope you've enjoyed his story. Dad, um, thank you very much for talking well, to me on, on the podcast. Have you, any any final words to say? Well, no, it's just, just, just thank you for having me. Um, I've enjoyed it. I was a bit, it was a bit, I was a bit of trepidation in doing this, but um, it, it's been good and, um, and, and, and thanks for having me. No, you're more than welcome. As I say, my dad's the reason why I'm here doing this podcast. Um, we both love the club and, and thankfully he he, um, he showed me the way um, back in, I think, 1994. So um, long, may, long may it continue. But that's been Who Are You? Um, as always, uh, this will go out on YouTube and it will also go out on Spotify and all other podcast providers. Um, if you... Uh, would like to get involved and and come and do the interview yourself um drop me a message my twitter will be will be on the screen or drop the pod uh, a message and and by all means we can we can sort out a recording um as i say there's there's not really much much left to say please like and subscribe please follow us across social media and we'll catch you on the next episode bye guys
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.